0: I love a good news story where you go behind the headlines and you find out the history of the issue, the key people, uh, who did what, the, the background facts that help you understand the big story, the big picture. But with all news stories, the thing that really gets your heart is when you hear from eyewitnesses and you find out about the personal story within the big story that draws you in so that you feel you were almost there with them. And that's what John does in chapter 19 when he's describing the events of Good Friday. In fact, he specifically tells us that he's going to give us the big story. In verse 36, he says this, These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled, the big picture. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. So we're gonna look at this big story. We're gonna see here that nothing was random in what happened, which is surprising because it's quite a chaotic story. You know, Jesus is taken at night. He goes through several kind of mock-up trials where people lie and different, different political leaders kind of pass him around because no one wants to make a decision. And people mock him and beat him. They dress him up and then they strip him off and they take him to the cross. He can't even carry the crossbar, so someone else takes that for him. And so it feels like one of those programmes which is really disturbing and you really don't know what is going to happen next. The crowd are shouting. People are pushing and shoving all around him. And yet John is saying in all these chaotic events, Jesus is fulfilling scripture, that there is a plan, a big story behind these events. Now for us, we might think, well, is that important? Certainly it would have been important for the Jews who were becoming believers in those days as they read John's account. Because any good Jew would know that if you were hung on a tree, if you were crucified, then you were cursed by God. You were kind of outside of his kingdom and his family. And yet John wants us to understand that actually Jesus is right in the centre of the big story on these days and that many centuries of prophecies and scriptures are being fulfilled in the actions of Good Friday. Peter himself, when he speaks in Acts to the crowd who want to know why Jesus died, says this, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge And you, with the help of wicked men, so men were making decisions behind the scenes, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. And so John picks up from some Old Testament references, mainly Psalms. He starts with Psalm 22 and weaves this through the account of Jesus' death. Psalm 22 was written by David when he was being uh, persecuted and it is really dramatic, a bit gruesome as well. He pictures his enemies surrounding him like bulls, like dogs, like uh, lions who are tearing and kind of going after him. He describes being poured out like water how his tongue is sticking to the roof of his mouth. He's so thirsty. David says, they pierce my hands and feet. And this is centuries before crucifixion became the normal form of execution for the Romans. He says, they divide my clothes and cast lots for my garments. And he cries out for God to save him. Psalm 69 talks in the same language about someone so thirsty and yet they give him vinegar to drink, to quench his thirst. And John picks up that when Jesus is offered vinegar, when he is thirsty, it's given to him on the branch of a hyssop tree Again, we might think, well, what's that detail mean? But for Jews in those days, it would immediately take them back to the Passover and the fact that their doorposts were wiped with the blood of the lamb using a hyssop branch. And so Jesus is here as the perfect Passover sacrifice. Psalm 34 says that for the anointed, not one of his bones would be broken. Whereas normally in crucifixions, the soldiers, after a period of time, they would just break the legs of the people being crucified so that it could all come to a quick end because they would no longer be able to support their body and breathe. But when the soldiers go to do that for Jesus, he's already dead and they pierced his side instead. Now, I don't want you to think that John, who is an eyewitness, is thinking of all these things as he watches Jesus die. I don't think he was. I think all he was feeling was the terrible sorrow and confusion that his best friend, his leader, was dying. It was only afterwards in resurrection appearances, that Jesus explains again, verse by verse, book by book, through going through the Old Testament, just what all these things meant. Jesus, as he goes along the Emmaus Road after he's raised from the dead, explains everything to two of the disciples. And I wonder, as they gathered in the upper room, And they went over all the details. They picked up these verses and looked again at Psalm 22 and thought, yeah, he fulfilled those scriptures. Isn't this amazing? This is God's big story being worked out in the graphic, horrible details of Good Friday. And this is all the longings and the prophetic words of the Old Testament being fulfilled. Because we see this thread through the Old Testament that there was a need for a sacrifice for sin. There was a need to bridge the gap between sinful people and a holy God. And all their best efforts under the law just could not bridge that gap. And so here... On Good Friday, we see Jesus, the perfect Passover lamb, the sacrifice that brings this big story to its conclusion, to its fulfillment. Other New Testament writers link the story to Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I would really encourage you today to take a few moments and read Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 and then John 19 and see how the two just weave together to make up this big story of God's plan to bring us back to himself. I love stories, I love reading, but my favourite novel is, kind of, is usually like a spy thriller, where you never know what's gonna happen until you almost get to the last page. My mum, in contrast, who also loves to read, she likes stories with a bit more of a happy ending. And one of her habits is when she picks up a new book, she will go to the last page And read how it ends. I mean, I think that's wrong, but there you go. That's what she does. And John weaves in these passages from the Psalms because they tell us how the story is going to end. I mean, listen to what Psalm 22 says right at the end. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Does that remind you of every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? And he says they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it, it is finished, he is victorious. Despite the enemies encircling him, he is delivered, he is victorious. And for us, as we look at the big story of Good Friday, that's where we should end, that he is victorious. All that is needed for our forgiveness and salvation is done on the cross. But it's not just a big story it's a personal story and right there near the cross while everything is going on over these hours are four women and John the disciple. They're there close enough to hear what Jesus says and I guess therefore close enough to be identified by the soldiers as having something to do with Jesus and, and therefore risking that they might be arrested and rounded up in those tense hours. There's Mary and several other Marys and they are there, I guess, hoping to support Jesus just by their presence. As a hospital chaplain, I often saw that, that it was the women who were there right to the end of someone's life, just giving the support of their loving presence. And that's what they would have been trying to do, even though they had, I'm sure, so many emotions going around and, and really not understanding how Yeah, all the things that had happened over the week had ended with Jesus being crucified. I guess they hoped he would have been victorious in a different way. But here they are watching the person they love die. I guess they were determined to wait to the end so that they could make sure he had a decent burial at least. But it's interesting that though they are there to support him, it's Jesus that reaches out to them. And he calls out in his agony to John and says, look, look after my mum. And to his mother, he says, look, you know, John's going to be like a son to you from now on. You're going to be okay. And that's a power, that must have been such a powerful moment. For them to know that Jesus calls them by name and reaches out to them in all his suffering. The last words of people are so important, aren't they? And we've had a couple of bereavements in our family and as brothers and sisters and cousins, yeah, that's what we talked about, you know, those last hours and what did the person say and was someone with them and that's been some of the tragedy of this year hasn't it that sometimes people people's last words haven't been recorded so I know that John and the Marys these words would have been like burnt into their memory and they're written for us to feel that we're there with them I wonder if Jesus is also saying to them, you know, the relationships you have in the family of God are going to be so important going forward. You know, Mary had other sons and daughters. She wasn't going to be destitute, but Jesus is saying those family relationships in the people of God are vital. That's a challenge to us, isn't it? Because we're so tempted to just think of our own blood family and yet Jesus is saying, No, if you come into my family, then you must care and support for one another, whatever you face in life. So today, I want us to pause and remember the big story that God has a massive plan for the whole of humanity that right from the Garden of Eden to this pivotal moment in history, he was working out his purposes. Nothing happened by chance on this day. And Jesus on the cross secured for us eternal salvation, forgiveness from our sin. All we need to do is repent and believe in this big, loving, covenant-building story but let's also remember the people there at the cross. And that this isn't isn't just a big story, it's a personal story. And I believe that Jesus would look at you today, he would call your name today, and he would say, I love you, I died for you. And you might think, well, yeah, sure, he, he spoke to John and Mary, I mean, that was his best friend and his mother. He, he's not going to call me. He doesn't really care about me And anyway, You don't know what I've done or what I'm like or who I am. But actually, there's two other people that Jesus interacts with on the cross. I mean, when the soldiers were actually nailing to him to the cross, Jesus said... Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And to the criminal who was crucified next to him, when that criminal reached out to Jesus and asked, in effect, for mercy, Jesus said, yeah, you're going to be with me in paradise today. There's no one, Jesus, doesn't look on with love and compassion and mercy and say come to me come to me I died for you this is for you. I know many of us have put our faith in Jesus already and we know that our sins are forgiven but I want you to also remember the ending of the big story. When you feel discouraged, remember that Jesus was victorious on the cross. It didn't end with him dying. He was raised to life again and he sits on the right hand of the Father and he offers us victory. His victory is also our victory. And as we look at all he did for us, we can hear those words ringing out again That it is finished. He has done it. We share in his victory and eternal life too if we put our trust in him. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you that you love the world. You sent your son into the world that whoever would believe in him would be forgiven, would be saved, would have the hope of eternal life. Thank you that Jesus laid down his life intentionally for us. That he names and calls each one of us. And he says he loves us and wants us to be part of his family. Amen.